Hi, I'm Veg. Hi, I'm Nonveg. Welcome to the Veg and Nonveg podcast. Hey everyone, today's episode is different again. We have another guest with us. She is a good friend Mona and uh, today we're talking about the American born Indian experience. So she is obviously American born and comes from an Indian family. Uh, so she is from Juhi's program and so Juhi would be better introducing her. Um, yeah, uh, so Mona is a really good friend of mine and uh, we met through uh, during our program um, getting masters in public health and I'll let her speak for herself and the rest of her background. Mona, would you like to introduce, tell us about uh, your background and Um, all that thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast I've been listening since the beginning so obviously I am a huge fan and I love all the content that you guys produce but yeah um, as both veg and non-veg said (laughs) my name is Mona and I was born and brought up here and yeah I'm I'm American and Indian so where are your parents originally from uh, my parents are from Assam India um, and they came to the United States um, in the 1980s. And they came um, as students, as international students. So I think it's kind of uh, fitting because I hear a lot of similar sentiments um, that you guys present in the show. Um, they've, they've also shared those sentiments. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, and yeah, they landed in Colorado and me and my sister were born. And then we moved to Omaha, Nebraska, and that's where I lived most of my life. That's pretty cool. Um, so uh, first of all, VK, would you like to explain what is first born, first generation born, the term? Actually, I, I don't think there's like a consensus on what first generation or yeah. second generation means. So, I mean, we, we would be, I mean, if we... Uh, become Americans and we would be first generation but we, our kids would be uh, first generation born American. yeah yeah but but if you're first generation then they're te- technically the second generation so <laughs> yeah like, I mean I've always said that I'm a first generation um, <laughs> yeah since I'm the first generation born here yeah. but I have heard other people say like um that you know that I would be considered the second generation so it is up for debate I don't know which one's right Whatever, whoever wants to use whatever is fine. So do you identify yourself more as Indian American or American Indian? I think I identify more with the Indian side of my identity, but that isn't to say that I'm not American either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's always been a conflict in my life, an identity conflict. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I've, I think I've always identified with being more Indian than American. So you said you grew up in Omaha, Omaha, right? So was it, I don't know, how diverse the community is there? And did you have like a lot of Indian friends growing up? Or was it just, you know, uh, locals and you kind of like looked different to the people there? Um, so I I would say I grew up in a very diverse environment, not to say that everyone was Indian or, or white or... Um, it was just very diverse. So throughout my entire like elementary education and my middle school education, uh, I went to very diverse schools. And then in high school, I went to a school that was um, more white. Um, 
just because it was in a wealthier part of Omaha and that's, that's the nature of, um, the education system <laughs> where, you know, it, oftentimes wealthier districts are predominantly made of more white people. Um, and so that's the only time I really felt, I don't know, different or kind of like an outcast. Like I still remember my freshman year walking into high school and just like having the realization that everyone around me was white. Um, and I think I was like one of seven Indians in my class. But I think that all, over time, like over the four years that I was in high school, um, more and more Indians started coming to that school. And I think that was like kind of the nature of the community in India uh, or in India in, in Omaha. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, oftentimes when, um, it, like the Indian community was fairly big. I wouldn't say big compared to like Texas, but it was big compared to when my family first moved to Omaha. And um, uh, like, you know, obviously there's very high expectations for all Indian children to do well. Mm-hmm. And my school was the only school <laughs> um, in the city of Omaha that had the IB program, International Baccalaureate. Um, and so naturally most people sent their student, their, their children to that school um, if they were, you know, from the Indian background. And so that's why by the time, you know, I was a senior there, it just seemed that there was many, many, many more Indian people. That's quite interesting. And was it difficult to trying to fit in or was it, there's no issue like growing up or going to school with a predominantly white crowd? Um, I don't think I ever had a problem fitting in, but I also don't want to speak as though like I'm the gatekeeper for all Indian children mm-hmm. um, because I'm not, but I don't think I ever cared about fitting in. Um, and so that was something that I didn't have to necessarily struggle with. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of like Indian friends and it's not because the Indian people like weren't available. I just didn't choose to be friends with them. Um, I think part of it was I was just very shy and introverted and, um, also just in general, how they interacted with like other people didn't really mesh with how I interacted with other people. Yeah. I didn't have a whole lot of like, I didn't have a whole like bunch of Indian friends growing up. Um, just, you know, just due to difference in values or whatever. I think that there was, like I said before, there is definitely identity issues that I faced, um, being Indian and American because those cultures do conflict a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just things, you know, my parents um, being, you know, immigrants um, and not having anyone, no, like not very, like a not very family oriented support system because like all our, our families in India still, um, they were definitely um, a lot more strict with me and my sister than maybe other families were with their children. And so there were things like missing out on school dances because we weren't allowed to go or not being allowed. Oh, to go. Wow. That that is just sad. I mean, <laughs> it is. But um, like you know, eventually, eventually, I did get to go. I did go to my sophomore, like I think it was my sophomore or junior homecoming, and then I did go to my prom because I was I was nominated to royalty at my school, which is so bizarre. Ooh, oh, nice. Um, <laughs> being like shy and introverted was just unexpected but I I, like that was one reason so I did end up going to both of those events and like there was no issue but um I don't blame my parents for that I think that when you're in a new country I I guess as an adult I don't blame my parents for that (laughs) (laughs) because when I, I think back like I try to put myself in their shoes when you're in a new country and like you know you don't have family the family system that you would in India um 
it's just it's scary. I would it would I would imagine it's very scary that you know your child's gonna lose their values, lose a sense of culture, things like that. So yeah, it was very important to my parents to include that. But but in terms of the answering the question, like I never felt like an outcast or like left out um, by my peers. It's just that I didn't get experience everything that they probably got experience. Mm-hmm. But like I still got you know like still got to do some normal things like. I did have a sweet, like a 16th birthday party. I did get a car. <laughs> oh, um, nice. <laughs> so there was things, you know, it, there, it was not like, it's not like I missed out on everything. I did get some of the things that every other American child gets, but I did miss out on other things too. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of the immigrant parents are like strict, supposedly, as you mentioned, did you have to hide your boyfriend or something from that? <laughs> yes. yes um and if I've been in a relationship none of them have ever met my parents oh no that's not true one Indian one did meet my parents oh so you had to be Indian for that yes yes but I think again I think that stemmed from like fear because I think that now my parents would are have a different approach to dating um, because I'm an adult and I have proved to them that I am going to be successful in life. Um, and so I think that changes a lot of the things, but I think that ultimately that's a fear is that your child is not going to be successful. So you do everything to make sure that as a parent, that they stay on that track. Um, but yeah, yes, I did hide my boyfriends. My <laughs> And, um, yeah, that was, that was normal. I'd have to have that conversation with every single person that I dated. <laughs> Uh, this is the kind of difference, right? I don't know. Um, uh, American parents usually uh, meet their kids' partners very early, even when they're like kids going to school. They, you know, as you mentioned, you weren't all allowed to go to the dances or whatever. And American parents usually drop their kids off at dance. Um, so yeah, that, that is something that I would expect from Indian parents because our cultures are very different. But uh, again, so to proceed with that, how would you do the same thing with your kids, or would you be, you know, cooler? Would you be the cool mom? Um, that's a really good question that I haven't really ever pondered. Um, I don't think I would be the cool mom, but I also don't think that I would restrict my parent, my my children from like experiencing some things like that. Um, I think that it's like important to have boundaries as a parent with what your child can and can't do. And so I try to f- figure that out and then they probably fail just like every parent fails. Um, but I, yeah, I don't see a problem with the dance so long as my child isn't like a rebel. Like suppose that they, you know, have the personality type where they are sneaking out and doing drugs and drinking and all these things. <laughs> I might be a little bit more strict to like, oh no, there's no way you're going to this place. But if they were like me, who I was when I was <laughs> years old, then yeah, I would, I would not, not care. Uh, moving on from Nebraska, you moved to Texas. How was it different? Like you mentioned that the Indian community here is much larger, but uh, also the college station is a rather a white majority town. And even though there's like, you know, college students from everywhere, how was, uh, how was it different from your undergrad or uh, school? experiences i think texas is kind of its own place 
um i personally was not a fan of it um and i don't know if that's because of texas in general or if it's just because of college station but i don't think i have any type of desire to go back there and live there again um with that said i do have family there like i do my aunt and my cousins two of my cousins um, live in texas so I would visit them, obviously, because they're family and I love them. But I didn't like Texas. Um, I, you know, I did my school there. It launched. It. I created a great network there. Got a lot of opportunities there that I probably wouldn't have. Well, maybe who knows? But I just got a lot of opportunities there, and uh, I appreciate that part of being at, in Texas. But I think that the culture there is very different from the culture where I am now and even in Omaha. I think that the people in Omaha um, are a lot more open and the dialogues that you have are a lot more meaningful because um, there's no pretense, I would say. And I think, I'm I'm not saying this in a negative way. I think people in Texas are very polite and nice, but I think that politeness covers up other parts um, of their expression or how they feel. And I'd rather hear how someone feels than have someone be nice to me. So that's my take on it. You said you weren't a fan of it. Was it, it was it just the uh, people here <laughs> or um, something else? I think it was like, <laughs> obviously I met um, Veg there. So that was Yay. like, yeah, I like met great people there. I have great friendships that, you know, have lasted me like the last several years. Um, but I do think that there is a lot more conservative mindset, even being, even if you're a liberal, you're still leaning conservative in terms of being able to discuss race issues or being able to discuss disparities. Like it seems like no one wants to discuss those things or have an actual like open dialogue about those things because they're worried more about offending someone than they are about getting to the heart of the issue. And I personally don't appreciate that, but also that's like my entire field, my entire passion, what I've gone into and educate like from an academic standpoint. And so to me, it's important to have those dialogues. And so I didn't necessarily appreciate that because I also felt like even though I have a public health degree, there was never any open dialogue, even within the classroom about these social issues that are so, so, so important in um, the public health world. And so I think that that could have been better. Um, I think another thing too is that, you know, there are a lot of Indians um, in Texas A&M, um, Indians who are from India um, versus Indians who are, you know, like me born here. And I do think that there was a little bit of a divide um, just because of maybe a difference in culture, a difference in language, things like that. And so that was also interesting to experience kind of for the first time again not in a bad way um but and it's not something that i necessarily hated or didn't like but it was just something else that like i think i went to texas also knowing that i would meet a lot of indian people indian people from (laughs) india and um i didn't build maybe as many relationships with that population as i would have liked but i think that's just due to again like difference in culture upbringing language things like that Okay, can you give examples of some differences that you notice from, let's say, Indians who are from India as compared to, you know, Indian Americans? I mean, from accent, maybe you can tell. In in Omaha, we, there again, there's a lot of Indians and again, from all different parts of India. So, you know, we had a lot of Punjabi people, a lot of um, South, like South Indian people, a lot of people 
from like UP and, you know, places like that. And we all acknowledge that we all had different languages, but because of that, everyone came together and we just spoke English with each other because obviously the languages are very different. Um, and so it didn't make sense for like a bunch of people from different parts of India to be sitting in a room speaking in their own language. So we all spoke in English, but I know like in the times that I interacted with like the Indian kids, the Indian students from India <laughs> all the time. Um, and that was fine. Like I do, I have like, I understand, let's say like 60 or 70% of what's being said, but I personally have never like had the opportunity to speak Hindi in a setting where I, you know, I could practice like fluency and things like that. So that was definitely a barrier in terms of communication or like participating in a conversation or things like that. And so that would be like an example. That, that's kind of ironical that you felt left out in the Indian crowd and not in the white crowd <laughs> when you're growing. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, that can happen even to a lot of, you know, people uh, from India who don't speak Hindi. Uh, it so happens that a lot of people when they're like speaking Hindi, they can feel left out. Um, people from South India who might not be very comfortable speaking Hindi. So yeah, and that, that is something that we probably need to, you know, address as a community. Mm-hmm. That's just an Indian thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll talk about like lighter topics. So since you said that, you know, you identify more with the Indian side of your culture. So what is that for you? Like, so for us coming from India, Indian culture, we don't really call it Indian culture. We just call it culture. <laughs> I think um, for me too, like it would be more specific to Assamese culture um, because I did grow up speaking Assamese uh, in my house. Um, I am fluent in Assamese and then, you know, other things, um, also represent all the Assamese people. Um, but uh, the other thing too is like, you know, it was really important in our community, in the Assamese community in Omaha, which was very small, but to get together and do things like Bihu, like the harvest festivals, um, every, you know, every time that it came about, we'd all get together. Everyone would make like, you know, typical Assamese food and then we would all dance Bihu and things like that. Like, on some level, some of these things my cousins in India haven't even done. And so it's just another example of how like tightly my parents clung onto their culture and made sure that me and my sister like experienced those things because, um, you know, we were definitely involved in all that. And it's also not super common for first generation Indians or, you know, Indians who are born in America to pick up the language of their parents that's not as common like in uh in Omaha at least it wasn't as common and so things like things like that were definitely like were part of my Indian identity and not to say like you know that I didn't speak English or anything like that but I did definitely value those things in myself and I still do obviously and those are things that I always like wanted to maintain in some way and so it kind of spread throughout other facets of my life. So beyond just like, you know, existing within the Assamese community, also thinking about like partner choices. If I want like thinking about that kind of thing, like wanting to be with another Assamese person simply because then I could maintain the language and the culture and things like that. And um, passing that down, you know, to whatever gen- the next generation and things like that. But who knows if that's possible. <laughs> Speaking of culture, do you watch any Indian movies? 
yet. Well, so I haven't recently, but I did have a period of my time in time, like when Kuch Kuch Hotahe first came out. Um, it was like game over because I, I probably watched every single movie that came out for like the next five or six years. Okay, Kuch Kuch Hotahe was 1998. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, oh, wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> That's actually how I started understanding Hindi, is just watching those movies over and over again. And then my mom my mom enabled it because she would, when we would go to India, we would come back with like a ton of like DVDs and VCDs um, of all these movies, these new movies that came out that year. So yeah, I, I think like there was a period of time where there wasn't a single movie that I had missed, but that's not the case now. <laughs> I mean, speaking of watching these things, so I believe you watched uh, Never Have I Ever and Indian Matchmaking, I guess, or like the first one. So what did you think about the portrayal of Devi and her mom and how close was it to reality? So, you know, I think they did a really good job of like, I definitely identified with some things that Devi went through. Not everything, of course. Like, I don't think I was as devious as she was. Um. Yeah, I wasn't as like boy obsessed as she, you know, she she her character was. Um, but in terms of like the strictness of like you know dealing with a maternal figure, things like that, that was definitely something I related to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, similar roles, like um, yeah, that was, yeah. I think they did a good job of like at least highlighting my experience as an Indian girl growing up in America with Indian parents, um, and then. Indian matchmaking. I mean, I don't really know if I can speak on that so much. Um, I think one thing that was interesting is that all the, like the women in there were very career oriented. And I think I could identify with that part of it, but I don't think I could identify with anything else. (laughs) Is arranged marriage a thing here too, like in India with Indian parents? Um, Again, I don't want to speak as though I'm the the gatekeeper, um, Mm -hmm. but I do have family friends who did have arranged marriages and I do have family friends who didn't. They, you know, got married to, you know, whoever they chose and everyone was okay with it and supportive of it and maybe even person to person um, decision like wise. Yeah, that's good. Um, So would you ever in the future, regardless of the problematic nature, call Seema auntie type auntie to get you to match with someone? Probably not. Maybe I was <laughs> desperate, but you know, I don't see myself getting desperate. So that's no. good. Good choice. <laughs> we talked about a few more things before in our episodes. So uh, we talked about portrayal of Indians in American media, right? So for us growing up, when we look at role models or people like that, when back in India, we had people who look like us um, in media or in sports or everywhere that we could. You know, look up as role models. So in America, how did you did you have any role models? You know that were not white. Um, I guess, like from a community standpoint, yes. Like in in Omaha, at least, um, it's kind of like every generation is the model for the next generation. So, like you know, the the kids that were older than me by a few years, like they were the the standard to meet. And then I'm sure for me and my sister, like we were the standard to meet for the like next generation of younger kids. But in terms of media, I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that I like had within pop culture or something like that. 
um, obviously, like, you know, there was a stereotype of like using the strong Indian accent, the stereotypical Indian accent in social, in, you know, the pop culture setting. Um, and I don't think I really ever found it offensive, <laughs> but also maybe that's because I didn't know any better. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how that, how, like what, what my opinion is on, on that necessarily, but I would, yeah, I wouldn't say I had any role models. Oh, okay, so I don't know about offensive terms. So I've heard, okay, so you might have watched the movie ABCD, which is American Born Confused Daisy. Is that term considered offensive? So I've heard that term many times and I never consider, I personally never considered it offensive. Um, I'm sure that, you know, sometime in my history, I probably call myself an ABCD. Um, I wouldn't say I'm confused though, but <laughs> I, I didn't, I took it in humor and, um, I personally was never offended by it. In the movie, the confused part comes from whether, you know, they want to be more Indian or more American. So I don't know. (laughs) It might be offensive to some. Yeah, it could be. And I think that maybe like when I was younger, I like, I definitely was confused about those things as we kind of talked about. But yeah, again, I'm not the gatekeeper for the Indian community, but I don't find it offensive. Do you have like uh, stereotypical conversations with people where you're, when you say that, you know, you know, people ask, where are you from? And then they ask you, where are you originally from? Does yeah. that happen a lot to you? That's one of my pet peeves, um, too. And it's become more so because, you know, like, I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, oh, hey, where are you from? And I'll, you know, I'll tell them honestly, like, hey, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. And they're like, no, but where's like your ethnicity from? Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I think that if you're going to ask someone where they're from and you want to know like their heritage or, you know, where, where their family comes from um, or their ancestry, I think you need to qualify that because I think that's another thing that it really bugs me is that I have to qualify that I'm Indian American. Why can't I just be American? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's a pet peeve. <laughs> so have you ever visited India? Yeah pretty pretty frequent like I wouldn't say frequently but we used to go every two years when I was growing up um we went enough that I forgot how to speak English at one point and then I had to relearn and then then there was like a brief period where I didn't go for a while and then more recently it's been again like on a two every two years um kind of frequency so what parts of India have you visited so far um, so my parents kind of make it a point to visit other parts, like every time we go. Um, so obviously Assam, I've been there. Um, I've been to Delhi. I've been to Chennai. I've been to um, Amritsar, Jaipur, Agra. Um, I think that's it. Oh, no, we went to um, my one of my aunts really likes going to holy sites. So we've been to a lot of holy sites, but I can't remember all the names. That's, okay. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we might not know. Yeah, actually. Well, if it ends in Nath, then it probably is uh, Kedarnath or Amarnath or something. I don't know. Not Amarnath. That wasn't it. I haven't been to any holy sites. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you find um, going back to India and like, you know, um, culturally different than how you like, how you can behave here? Plus there are a lot of like other kinds of restrictions so to say when you are in India was that like something that was an issue or like you found interesting um yeah there's some things that are interesting like um good and bad one thing that like 
is really hard for both me and my sister is the amount of eating you have to do. <laughs> I guess. Yep. Yeah, like it just seems like nonstop. Like there's been there's been times where we just get so sick that like we tell our mom and dad like, oh no, like we're not going. Like you guys go ahead without us. And um that's one thing. And I don't think that's like a normal thing. I think it's just because we're not we're not always there. So our family, everyone, you know, wants to see us and obviously wants to feed us. Mm-hmm. Um I think another thing too is like there is this kind of like cultural thing among like younger people to tease all the time. Um, to constantly like, you know, poke fun, tease, um, things like that. And that it was always really hard for me because I'm a very sensitive person, um, normally. And yeah, I just I hated it. I hated like constantly being like poked fun at and and that kind of thing. Or like um, when I was growing up, like every once in a while, my Indian accent, like my Assamese accent would get mixed up with my American accent. And I would say things like wrong, obviously, or Mm -hmm. I would directly translate words. um, And like, and the meaning, like it just didn't make sense. And so my uncles have never let me live that down. Um, Mm. They still bring it up to this day, even though I was like eight when that happened. Um, (laughs) Um, so those kind of things, like, I think would be differences. Um, I think another thing is that, uh, I think people are very, especially towards women. Wow. I'm like bringing up all the like loaded topics, but, um, especially Go ahead. <laughs> they, there's kind of this like beauty standard of like, you know, being slim and like that, you know, thin and things like that. And, um, I feel like that gets projected on onto me all the time. And I, personally this is a personal preference I don't care about being thin I don't care about being skinny I care about being strong mm-hmm. and um I think that no one gets that no one understands that um desire because um, I went to the gym with my cousin one time and like all the trainers were looking at me like oh my gosh like this girl needs work and then they like put me through their paces and I was like keeping up with them keeping up with like everything they wanted me to do and they're just like we don't get it we don't get why this girl can like you know, lift so much weight and, and do burpees and like be fluid in her motions and all these things. And so I feel like that's one thing is I just will never fit into the Indian beauty standard because I don't want to, um, basically. (laughs) Yeah. um, A lot of Indian women do not fit into the beauty standards, so to say. It's just a very picturesque way of saying you just have to be, um, like people say tall, trim, slim, and fair that's all <laughs> nobody can fit that yeah that's every arranged marriage advertisement ever for <laughs> a bride like wanted bride who is yeah. slim trim whatever that's all that nonsense that is a yeah again another thing that we need to work on yeah so that that's that's another di- difference that i definitely like experience just from you know family or yeah mainly family <laughs> um <laughs> I, I just let it go because at the end of the day, all I care about is being healthy and strong. So, so do you um, hear like celebrate Indian festivals or um, were you raised religious or had to, you know, go through those Indian customs that they have or traditions, rituals that the family has? Yeah. Yes. And no, um, I wouldn't say my family was very religious. Um, I think that maybe that's an Assamese, a cultural thing more than, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a family thing. Um, but I did go to Sunday school for the, with the Hindu temple in Omaha. Um, and so at one point, you know, I could like recite all the Sanskrit slokes and all those things. Um, 
yeah, I don't remember. I remember like two of them now, but um, so yeah, like I did have that. And I guess I wouldn't say that that was like a religious practice. It was more so I think like an extracurricular activity um, for me to participate in so that, you know, like what, am, what, am, what is a kid supposed to do on Sunday besides stay at home? So it was like going to the temple was fun and like going to Sunday school was fun. Um, we do celebrate a lot of the Assamese festivals. Um, I wouldn't say again, because like my family was never super religious. We didn't really focus on all the other festivals so much. Mm-hmm. Um, when I grew up, like as I've gotten older, my parents have participated more, but I also think that's a part of like not having to worry about your kids all the time because they're not there. <laughs> and so, you know, the the temple kind of became a community outlet for them. But like now, you know, every once in a while I would go, like whenever I go home, I do end up going to some function at the temple. But yeah, again, I wouldn't say that it's like a religious thing. I think it was more just like a community involvement thing. And then what what else did you ask? Yep, that was it. That was we it. covered all of it. <laughs> if we're talking about loaded topic, we have to cover this. Uh, any experiences with racism or, you know, microaggressions or any sort of untoward incidents that you've had do, yeah. that you want to share? It's really fitting that you asked that question because we just experienced September 11th, right? Like that just passed. Um, And I think that for me, I was 10 when that happened. And that was the first time that I realized my race mattered Um, or that, you know, people would look at me different because of the way I look. That was the very first time I ever realized that. And I still remember it because I remember like after 9-11 happened, uh, my dad had like Coke cans thrown at him and like, our yard was trashed at one point. Um, I don't like, I, I was moving also. We moved to a new, uh, a new house during that time. Um, and so I do remember there was a little bit of like aggression from kids going to school. And then another thing that I like will always remember is one time we were like on a road trip and we, I think we we're passing near Colorado and we're in a, in a gas station. And this guy was like, just driving around with his family and they, I don't really know what, what was going on with them, but he was like going around asking for money. And my dad was like, Oh, Hey, I don't have any cash. And then the guy was like, Oh, well, like you could just give me your credit card number. And my dad's like, Oh, I don't do that. And then the guy got mad and was like, say hi to Osama. Wow. And like, I think, you know, again, I don't remember how old I was during that time. Obviously Osama was still alive at that time. I think that like that, that that's like one of the moments that has stuck out to me at like throughout my entire life. And I was pretty young um, when that happened. And so, yeah, of course, uh, if you're not white in this country, you will experience racism. I think that's just a given. I think like there's been racist comments made, but one thing that like my parents always told me, my sister was to never give anybody any reason to put us down and so like you know if we're always the best students in school if we're always the best behaved there's no reason why anyone should criticize us they should have no reason to and I think that I think that wasn't it's not it's not the way it should be because I shouldn't be able I shouldn't have to monitor myself in order to be accepted but I think because of that we me and my sister never had any um like blatant racism thrown at us Um, but there was other things that were, you know, racist in nature, maybe discriminatory or prejudice in nature. Um, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, this is when we moved again 
my teacher like assumed that English was my second language for some reason and enrolled me in speech therapy classes. And so every once in a while, when I'm self-conscious of it, it's probably coming out now, I have a lisp, a very strong lisp. Um, and it's usually focused around S and Z sounds, but it's a result of having to attend speech therapy for two years because someone thought that my English wasn't my first language. Later, she like realized and she apologized, but the damage, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. like, I, just can't I would have to go through speech therapy again to undo that, which I don't really care to do. Um, so there, that would be another example. And then, yeah, I mean, I, those are like the ones that stick out to me the most. Yeah, that's like definitely loaded um, answers. But I think it just, like you said, it happens if you're not white, I guess, or don't look white, apparently. Sad but true. So Mona, to end this thing, we have to talk about Indian food and how much do you love it and what's your favorite dish? Oh, man. Or few of them. <laughs> I love Indian food. Um, I am a little bit of a wimp because I can't handle spicy food. I love, it. I love it. It's not that I hate it. I just physiologically can't handle it. Um, like I get chronic hiccups for hours if I eat spicy food. Sometimes. I have witnessed um, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite food. I just, I really love Indian food. It's probably my first favorite, um, you know, cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I have to like be cliche and say like everything my mom cooks is like my favorite. because. <laughs> really good cook i don't like fish i don't like like indian style fish um if i were to keep it simple i would say like alu bartha is one of my favorites biryani that those two things and that's it nice that's a great option i'm gonna answer one for you and say pao bhaji is also (laughs) (laughs) like just not the same except for my mom does make good stuff but (laughs) and then third is me yeah Uh. yeah so yeah um thanks for um coming on the show tonight mona and uh, it was a pleasure getting to know your side of the story as well thank you for having me oh yeah um so um if you guys have any comments questions uh leave them on facebook instagram and twitter and we'll see you next week Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher or wherever else you get your podcast fixes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Veg and Non-Veg Pod. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, please email us on contact at vegandnonveg.com. Thank you.